There's another one you don't want to hear. Frankly, neither do I. Hello and welcome to episode 90 of the Power Court Hour podcast. It is your January 2022 rundown of the show and uh, thank you so much for checking it out. As always, I'm your host, Anthony Merchant, here with you with the uh, first rundown of the year and uh, hard to believe that uh, January is already over, but uh, it seems to be that way. I, uh, I would say it does seem to be that way. But uh, flew flew by. I uh, I stayed busy. I feel like this month not a, a bad start to the year um, as far as the podcast goes and the radio show. Uh, a lot of really good guests. I thought this month, and uh, I, I will say not to uh, I won't give anything away, but I will say that uh, in February, going into uh, even March, bleeding into March, I have uh, some really really good guests lined up, and uh, a few of them that I would I would comfortably say are uh, living legends. So uh I I'm pretty excited for that. We should have some really cool ones coming up. But uh I guess it's not all about the future. It is the rundown of the month of January and uh I guess how I started my year and uh I don't know, it was weird around here. I mean, living in uh, western New York, I mean, most of most of the time in January it's it's fucking snow and it's cold. But uh, I had some nice days in the beginning and uh, was able to kind of go out and kind of hike a little. Uh, I Actually, I, I got out there a, f- a few times. Like, actually, really, if I think about it, like, for the first month, I, I did a decent amount. Like, it was it was nice enough. And by nice, I'm still talking, like, probably 40, 50 degrees. But nice enough to go out there and uh, hike, which uh, wasn't bad. But on some of the colder days, I've uh, taken advantage of uh, really just using it to... I noticed I've been playing a lot of music lately and uh, also just like booking. That's probably why I have so many guests booked into uh, March is just the shitty weather the last like week or so because it's like it's too cold to do much else. So it's like you might as well stay inside and like get some stuff done. I mean, I, I talked about actually, I think with the last two guests with uh, with Justin Vaughn and then also uh, with the band 1913 the week before that with uh, Victor Lorenzo and Janet Schiff, but because of both of them with 1913 they're in Milwaukee and uh Justin is over there in Cleveland and you know being being on uh you know in Cleveland being on Lake Erie and then over in Milwaukee being on uh, Lake Michigan I mean you get that lake effect snow and you get some really you know I mean I'm not I'm not saying anything new to people who live in those areas and you know tons and tons of people do but like I I really it's something I was talking about and I think you get it if you're around there it's like those cold months I feel like a lot of times are your most creative because it's like it's just too cold to do anything else and there's not a lot of reasons to like leave your home so it's like why not like start a band or like write songs or you know get get guest booked for your podcast like why not you know it's uh it's too fucking cold to do anything else so uh take advantage of it but I was talking about that with them I mean I you know a little a little different writing like interview questions versus like you know writing a uh, three-minute song but uh, still, something something I talked about with both of them because probably I know I also did both of those interviews the same day, and uh, it was probably a very cold day with that on my mind. With just like actually it was I think it was like a day or two before we got like a foot of snow, like a really really bad uh, 
a really bad like snowstorm here and uh, I mean I'm not far from uh, Lake Erie either I mean, I'm like 20 minutes Jamestown's maybe like 20 minutes from Lake Erie so so we definitely get some of those rough like those rough days from that as well and uh, you know it is something I don't I didn't think about it for a long time but it just it kind of it kind of hit me more in like recent years I think of of just that of just being in a place where it's like oh yeah like it's which it's not bad because I think it pushes you. I think I think uh, if you're in a place where it's like it's sunny all the time, or it's I mean even if it's like you can be in like the Pacific Northwest and maybe it's not particularly sunny, but maybe it's like you know around sixty seventy degrees all the time. Um, you know I, I think having that like I don't know I feel like that like constant weather, which in a way is nice, but I I do think you can kind of like I don't know get sucked into like. Like when it's nice out, like I want to be outside doing shit. And maybe, maybe it's also though, because I come from a place where, you know, you have certain months. So you kind of want to, you know what I mean? Like you want to get it in when you can, but like, I just feel like if I lived in a place like, you know, if you lived in like a really sunny place, I can't imagine like living in like Maui, like going to Maui and looking around there. I can't imagine ever like getting to writing music. I don't think I would ever get to it. I, I, and if I did, I don't think it'd be good because I'd be in too good of a mood. Like I just don't feel like uh, a lot of great music is written in like really happy, upbeat moods or like, you know, songs about a nice sunny day. Like, I mean, some people do, you know what I mean? Like you can get, you know, like Rockaway beach. That's a great, there's a song about hanging out on the beach, but like, you know, overall, I don't feel like most songs uh, like really, really good ones are, are always written in, in environments like that. I think sometimes you need that, like you need that like shit weather, like gray sky and stuff. And then, uh, you know, I mean the, the warm weather and, and stuff like that is good for certain vibes. Um, you know, like on a record, I remember talking to, uh, the band Lovebreakers here a couple months ago and, uh, you know, they're, they're from over there in the UK, but they came over here to record their uh, debut record in Los Angeles and like you can you can hear um you know like the influence of being in a sunny place like Los Angeles and everything but i also think they come from a place that probably like those songs still originated like you know what i mean like like you get the shimmer and some of the like you know the some of the personality in those songs that make it good for like being a summertime record but still like the core of their songwriting was probably done back in the UK and probably not like, you know, it was probably did not look the same as it did in like Los Angeles when they were recording that record. You know what I mean? Like I, uh, and obviously there's great bands that have come out of uh, warm climates, but I really do think there is something to be said about being in, in an area where it's like, it just pushes you. It's like, that's, that's what you should do. So I've, uh, when it's been nice, nice enough, I've been out hiking, but uh, the last like two weeks, I have not, not at all. It's been a lot of uh, staying in, doing interviews, booking interviews, um, just thinking about uh, some like future ideas for episodes and uh, doing some, doing some reading. I did finish my first book of the uh, year. I read Richie Ramone's book, I Know Better Now, which uh, funny enough, I, uh, if you, if you listen to the interview, I interviewed him last summer and absolute, absolute honor. And like Richie has that, like, you know what I mean? He's a, he's a New York or a New Jersey guy actually. But you know, just that, just that, uh, I love that like sense of humor and just kind of that, you know what I mean? Just bust your chops kind of thing. Like 
he uh he was just very funny and I, I remember a few times talking to him and uh asking him some questions and stuff and like he answered it was also like oh like you know like the rest of that is in the book kind of like teasing his book like you should read the book and uh i was happy that i finally got to read it because legitimately a really really good read like that that was a great like just rock bio you know like like just music book like really really excellent like it felt like what i liked about it is that it it was like the way the way that like when you read it it felt like when i was talking to him like it was in the same voice the book was in the same voice that it's like you can tell that these are his words. You know what I mean? Like he did have someone help him write it. I can't remember the guy's name off the top of my head, but like, I very much feel like that guy probably like wrote down, you know what I mean? He probably got things going, maybe like ask Richie certain questions to get like certain topics out and kind of get things like, like I'm sure he formatted the book and stuff, but like reading it, you don't get this like idea where you're like, Oh, like this probably wasn't Richie Ramone who like, you know what I mean? Like, it very much reads like it is it is Richie's words and uh I th- I think he gave a gave a really good account. Like I, I would say if like he was it was really good to like hear about like his uh his beginning and like really it's it's funny because he gets in a little bit of like music theory and like dissects and breaks down his like drumming techniques and also like I mean from being like he played polka before being in the Ramones and like talking about how like being you playing polka and some of the techniques and different stuff, how he applied that to the Ramones, like really amazing stuff. Like really like you can also, you can tell that he loves playing drums and he really loves being a musician. Like it's a genuine thing. Like you read it and like, he's really, and again, like it's just surprising for Ramon because, you know, I mean, none of them were very like, you know, I mean, Johnny Ramone, if it wasn't a bar chord, like, like, fuck that. Like, I mean, you know, it, it, he wasn't about it unless it was a bar chord, you know what I mean? Obviously with like Tommy, um, you know, pretty simple, straightforward drumming and, you know, Dee Dee, king of, king of the root note and, uh, you know, not shit on any of them. Obviously the Ramones are a magical, magical band and, you know, every, everything about them made the Ramones the Ramones, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, but, uh, it's just neat to hear because it's not, I just don't feel like that's something you'd expect from a Ramon, like to really hear them break down like techniques and patterns and like different stuff like that. And also like, I mean, they, you know, like they liked other stuff, you know what I mean? Like Ramones like like different kinds of music and stuff, but like, I feel like Richie really like, he's really like a student of music, like not like, not like just a, like just punk. Like he's really a student of music and like appreciates just music in general, like really like a background, I think a different background than the rest of the dudes really had. And, you know, I can't, I can't speak for Marky because I don't, I don't know his, uh, you know, I mean, obviously playing like Richard Hell, but like, I don't know, like, you know, if he took lessons or like, you know, how, how he kind of trained or anything like that. But, um, you know, again, like the most in depth you will ever hear Ramon talk about like music or like break it down. And it was just really interesting. Like I loved hearing about the beginning of uh, his life and his childhood and before the Ramones and joining the Ramones and, uh, you know, just just really hearing everything. You You really do feel bad for him. I mean, I know the kind of. The thing everyone kind of talk, not everyone, but like like shit talkers, kind of like you're like, oh, the guy's like whining because he didn't get like t-shirt money. You know, that's always like the thing that gets brought up in a big like point of contention. But like honestly, you read the book and you totally get where he's coming from. Like I get why he left the Ramones. Like I mean, 
nothing about it sounded like out of school. You know what I mean? Like, you know, he had, you know, there were tensions with Johnny Ramone, but nothing that doesn't sound like Johnny Ramone. I mean, it sounds everything he said about Johnny Ramone is things you've heard before where it's like, oh yeah, he was a hard ass. Like, you know, he was a businessman. He was a hard ass and, you know, was, was a, you know, not a, not always a very emotional person and stuff. And, uh, you know, his accounts of that and everything seem very, I mean, very accurate by, by all their other accounts you've ever heard. But, uh, I mean, I loved hearing about, I remember interviewing him and telling me that he was really, uh, was really close to Joey and, uh, he really was like reading that book. He was extremely, he was extremely close to Joey and, uh, it was very sad too, actually. I, well, I don't know. I, I, I won't say anything. Maybe it's a spoiler in the book, um, which is kind of weird to say because it's about the guy's life. You know what I mean? It's biography, so it's not it's not like a a story in that way. Okay, I, I guess I'm not really spoiling anything, but like him just talking about how uh, him and him and Joey never talked again uh, after after uh, Richie quit the Ramones, and just really uh, you know the regret that uh, Richie felt like that because again, like they were great friends. And, you know, all like his reasons for leaving the Ramones were more based on, you know, Johnny not wanting to give him, you know, more money or more credit on things, which, again, I mean, at that point, you have to think about And I was thinking about it, too, like Richie was in the band like four or five years by the time he left, which was longer than Tommy was in the band and was about as long as Marky was in the band at that point before Marky came back and was on like just as many records. I think Marky had him still beat by like. I think one or two, but like by all means, you know, Richie was in that band for quite a while. And also, if you think about it, he joined in 84 and the Ramones started in, I believe, 75 or 76. So, I mean, he started within the first 10 years of the band, like not a founding member, obviously, but like, you know, definitely deserved credit. You know, I mean, reading it, you kind of get that vibe, too, where like he never he never really got that validation that he was a true Ramon or that he was an official member, which again, I think is bullshit. You know I mean? He wrote songs on all the records, all three records he was on. He wrote songs. Um, I mean, somebody put something in my drink, big Ramones hit, honestly, and, uh, wrote that one. And a lot of, just a lot of really good ones. I've been on a big, uh, Ramones kick and even more specifically Richie era while reading this. Cause it's just, you read like I love it because like he's really good like telling stories and stuff because like you're reading about like the recording of of uh, you know these records and like it makes you want to stop like he'll be talking about a specific song and it makes you want to put the not not wants to it it made me like put the book down and throw on the Ramones and like listen to the song that he'd be talking about and like you know like get it in my head and stuff and then like then I have to look stuff up he'd be talking about like oh yeah there's this demo where like you know I sang on it you know, instead of Joey, like I have to start looking things up on YouTube and really, really fun. It was a great read. I mean, it's, it's, I like it too. Cause it was like, it was just perfect. It's like 259 pages, like something like that. Like it, uh, it's just a perfect amount. You can get in it. I mean, I, I started reading it like a few days after new year. So, I mean, I got it done in a couple weeks, which, uh, for me isn't bad is, or is pretty good. Not because I'm not even a slow reader. I will start reading a book and then put it down and just, I'm not good at keeping up with it. Even if I like a book, it has nothing to do with if a book is good or not. Like Walter Lure's book, which, uh, I also highly recommend to Helen back. I finished that a few months ago, but I mean, I bought that when it came out in 2020 and started reading it when I got it and just put it down and didn't read it again for months. And then, and then finally I got back to it and then, and then I finished it within like a month, I think. 
But um, yeah, I I don't I don't know the rhyme or reason besides I'm just a lazy ass and uh, you know just I I will uh, I'm bad at like reading like when I sit down and read I'll I'll start reading and get stuck in it but like you know I'm just not good at keeping that up consistently and uh, you know but with this one I I kept to it kind of a I guess I guess it is true that New Year's resolution thing my New Year's resolution wasn't read more books but it was just I I think it's kind of in your head like come on. Like read a book, like read a damn book, like, like do this, like instead of like scrolling through your phone or something, like pick up the damn book and, uh, and read it, which honestly too, good way to shut your head off, which I, you know, is silly to say it's a book. They've been around forever, but in a day and age of, you know, I, I know I'm far from the only one who looks at your phone too much or computer and gets kind of overwhelmed with shit. It's kind of a good way to turn your head off. Cause then you just get, you get enamored with the book that you're reading. You know, you just start thinking about you know, the, the topic at hand, whatever it, you know, whatever it's about. But, uh, yeah, I, uh, I absolutely love Richard Ramone's book. I know better now. Definitely. Uh, I would definitely say go pick that up. I gotta go. Who didn't have one? Joey Ramone. I don't think ever wrote a book, but obviously Johnny has commando. Johnny Ramone wrote his, uh, Marky Ramone wrote one back in like 2015. Uh, Monty, their, uh, tour manager. He has a book, uh, Dee Dee wrote a few books, um, some fiction, some nonfiction, and uh, there's quite a few Ramones books out there actually written, you know, written from people in the band. I would love C.J. Ramone to, to uh, write one. I would love to hear that. And uh, that was the other thing. It was interesting to hear that stuff, like like after the Ramones and Richie, with uh, what he did, like in music and outside of music, just kind of, uh, you know, just very very interesting. I don't know if you're a Ramones fan. I think it was a good read because I think including Richie. There was a time, and he's not wrong about that. I think there was a time, and now people people have turned around. People really like, like again, you get some shit talkers here and there, but people love. I think Richie Ramone era uh, Ramones with. I mean, uh, you listen to the three records before Richie was with them. They're spotty as hell. Like, there's good songs on them, but they're not Ramones classics. Like, they're just not. You know, there's there's good songs on Pleasant Dreams and Subterranean Jungle and uh, End of the Century, but like they're very spotty. You know what I mean? They're like they're I wouldn't even say fifty fifty. Like Subterranean Jungle, there's a handful of good songs. I mean, I guess it's really with the three of them. Like again, so like you know, Richie Richie coming in, I think by all means was a breath of fresh air. Just like a few years later when CJ joined, I think again it was like. I think they needed that, you know, I, I think that like that injection of just more, you know, youthful energy and stuff really, really, I think helped both times with CJ and with Richie. But, uh, you know, I mean, with Richie, they really did get back to like writing good records again, like by all means, like getting back to being a band, not that just wrote a few good songs, but actually got back to writing good albums, you know, that, that what, and, and then I'll move on. But like another really interesting thing to me that uh that really kind of struck me when I was reading the book was how he was talking about with each album they did with them it, it was interesting the difference of where Johnny and Joey were in their careers because he was saying with Joey with each one he was like Joey would be like this is going to be the one Richie like this is going to be the one like we're going to get radio airplay and we'll be on MTV and we're finally going to like break through the mainstream you know and and for someone like me like you know they they broke up 96 or 97 I mean I was like four or five years old you know like I I very much became aware of the Ramones once they became you know kind of a legend of legendary status like I got into them 
it wasn't long before because I remember when Joey Ramone passed away. I do remember that, and I just started listening to them not long before that. So like 2002, 2003, I think. But um, you know, by that point, I think they were kind of you know ingrained as legends and stuff. I think that was around the time they're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But anyway, you forget that during their tenure, like during their time as a band, they weren't that big. Like, I mean, they did okay and people knew them, but like they weren't they weren't ever commercial darlings. They weren't a mainstream band. So it was interesting to read that, you know, because now again, like they're legends. And I actually like the Ramones are they are one where it's like I can even tell people who like, you know, like if you tell people like, oh, who have you had on your show? Like you gotta tell people about like my show. And if they don't know about like punk music or alternative whatever the fuck you want to call it i play on here like you know if they even if they don't know the music i can throw out that i've interviewed like you know two ramones and they know who the ramones are like people people who know not it's like with green day or like blink 182 it's like that kind of stuff like you know they'll know nothing else and i mean look at i mean it's i i get it you can it's up for debate whether whether or not that's punk but like there are people who would who would like they may like punk their reference would be like Blink One Eighty Two or Green Day, and I, the Ramones are kind of up there, which uh, you know is is really when you have something like that being being a, a band who like even if people don't know about it they know you I think that's such a big you know what I mean like it's like with like like Dick Dale for some reason just popped in my head like with like surf music and stuff like you may not know. Many people play surf music, but you could think you probably know Dick Dale. You know what I mean, like that kind of like stuff. Um, but anyway, getting getting back, I'm getting so sidetracked. But with with Joey, just you know, really, he was saying like Joey still had this genuine like we're we're gonna make it. You know what I mean? Like they were they were like seven or eight records in at this point, and like still with each record, he said still had that enthusiasm and like really was still trying for that and he said with Johnny it wasn't that way by that point Johnny had kind of you know given up I think on the on the prospects of ever making it big or the band ever ever kind of doing more than what they you know already did which I just it was such a it was such an interesting thing as a fan to like read that and the contrast of one of them going you know who gives a fuck let's do it you know it's not even to say that Johnny Ramone didn't care about the band anymore but I think he had you know what I mean like they tried it didn't happen and and he was he was done with that it's like you know they tried end of the century they tried doing more sleek production the radio is probably not going to embrace them so why you know why why bother in that way where Joey still kind of had that you know it could happen, you know, and and I don't know. It's too bad it never really did because they were a band who, to be completely honest, including when you listen, I think around the time like Richie came and Richie talked about it, like injecting like hardcore punk into uh, into that record. But like, I really think they're a band, including when you realize that they were around since like the beginning of punk rock. You listen to later era stuff, and like the punk, like the hardcore punk influence and like the stuff that you heard more of like black flag and bad religion. And they're just like circle jerks and just SST bands. Like you can hear that in the Ramones, like later on, like they adapted, like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like they continued like adding in things, you know, like where punk was going and not, not in a way of like, right. Like, Oh, what's popular right now? We have to do it, but like they they kept pretty relevant. I think I think on some albums better than others, but like I I do think once they stopped on those you know those three before Richie came in, I think those three records 
really trying really trying to make it more like a pop friendly version of the Ramones like I I think on on there you know they're missing the mark a little more and doing something different from what made people love the Ramones when they got back to it on Too Tough to Die not only did they have what what people loved about the Ramones on there but also again like there had been new punk bands and there was the hardcore of the early 80s and like the Ramones embraced that instead of going like fuck that we're we're just going to write something that sounds like rock, Rocket to Russia Part 2. You know, they, they kept that classic. They kept the things that people love about their moans, but they they made it current. You know what I mean? And I, I think that is uh, – I don't know. It's so interesting, and maybe it's just because I've been ingrained in it from just listening to so much Ramones lately and reading that book. But, like, just that – really that era and really, like, on Too Tough to Die, just the, just how interesting it is to, like, see – where they were before that to then on that record and then kind of moving on, you know, and seeing, seeing kind of how they kind of kept together for a few, you know, albums. But I mean, even that, you know, another good point, Richie left and Dee Dee didn't leave much long after, you know I mean? Dee Dee la- uh, lasted one more record and then uh, he was gone as well. So like, it's another thing where it's like, you know, you read some of the stuff with Richie and it's like, I feel like he gives a pretty fair account of uh, how things were. And he didn't say everything was bad by by any means. I mean, he talked about the good times, too. But, uh, yeah, definitely definitely would say go check out that book if you're looking for something good. I'm moving on to George Clinton's now. That was another book I got for Christmas, his, uh, his autobiography, which I'm excited to read. But I am wondering how much he truly remembers of, like, the 70s and 80s. I mean, there were a lot of drugs ingested. Like, I mean... And you can say that for a lot of people, but George Clinton has to be up there as one of the most notorious, like, you know, partiers or or whatever you want to call it of the uh, 70s and 80s. But, I mean, I'm so excited to read that because that guy fucking, I mean, just an impact on just modern music that's not – he gets credited. Like, George Clinton, you know, people know who that is in Parliament and, you know, Funkadelic, but, like – I don't think that people give him the credit for, like, the reach. You know, like, I mean, the man has been sampled so much. And, I mean, you know, in multi-genre, too. I mean, you hear him being sampled in, you know, hip-hop and rap and stuff. But, I mean, Funkadelic, I mean, you there's influence all in, like, rock and, you know, I mean, true... People, people who know their music, you know, I, I, I'm sure you can find some shredders and like, you know, even like metal and shit who, uh, you know, will, will have some admiration for, uh, Eddie Hazel, you know, and I mean, even that even just into like classic rock, like, I mean, you go back and, and listen to an album like Maggot Brain and I mean, it's just, it holds up better than most shit, you know, that came out during that time. I know actually speaking of Maggot Brain, I know I did just see something the other day they're going to be putting out a 50th anniversary vinyl press. So uh, I'm very excited for that, which actually I think is really kind of going to be like the 51st year, like the 51st anniversary. Cause I think it turned 50 last year. If I, uh, if I remember correctly, but uh, yeah, anyway, I'm uh, definitely excited to read that George Clinton one. And as long as it's going to stay cold as hell, I will definitely have time to read it. But uh, when it, when it kind of warms up, I, uh, I have, I know I've talked about it on here before, but North country trail, which I uh, try to hike whenever I can. I've been I've been going towards my uh, hike 100 to 100 miles uh, every year, which really I do more than that, but you get a little certificate and a patch for the 100 that you do. So I'm working on that. I got my first 20 miles in, 
And, uh, yeah, like I said, the first like couple weeks had some uh, days where I could go out there and do that. But yeah, lately, lately I've, I'm, I'm kind of stalled at 20 miles right now. So I'm kind of happy. I like banked to those in, you know, before it got shitty out. That was kind of my thing. I'm like, it's nice out. It's probably not going to stay this way. So, uh, I need to like get that in. So I'm happy I did, but, uh, yeah, just, just kind of doing that. And, uh, you know, talking, like I said, talking to the guests of this month, you know, it, it was great to, uh, to start off pretty strong with a uh, Joey Cobra in studio and, you know, never, never have in studio guests very, very rarely. I mean, Joe's like the only one and, uh, but it's fun and I got to have him in more, you know, I really, I really do. I know he's been on the show like four times, but considering we live in the same town or city and, uh, that he, he works like literally, a block away from the WRFA studios. Like he, uh, like if I look out the, the studio windows here right now, I can probably see the, uh, the neon blue guitar over, over, uh, there near his job. So, uh, yeah, gotta have him on more. Always love talking to him. I, I think not, I think I haven't even asked him yet, but, uh, I mean, Joe, if you're listening to this, I guess this is your, uh, you don't know this, but you'll be on the show later this year. Um, you know, so long and thanks for all the shoes is, uh, turning 25. Yeah. It would be the 25th anniversary this year and, uh, definitely want to have him on and do a track by track, you know, like I do with my buddy Kyle when we come on and just talk about an album, go through every uh, song and, uh, you know, him, him, uh, with Joe just being such a big, uh, no effects fan and that being my favorite no effects album. And I'm pretty sure he said it was his before. I'm pretty sure he said that. And if not, I know he loves that record. So, I feel like there's no one better to uh, talk that album with than him. So we definitely got to have him back in for uh, that. And obviously, uh, if he puts out some new music or something, or for whatever, again, like we can, like me and him can talk forever. Like he comes in here and we talk for like an hour before the mics come on and sometimes like an hour after they're off. Like, you know, we can just go on and just talk about music. And then we have that whole thing too, both from being around here and we did it. We did it when he was in here. Like you just start randomly talking about shows throughout the years. And it's like, Oh my God, I was at that show. Or like, I was supposed to be at that show. And you know, you, you have like that whole thing. So I can kind of like sit there and like, you know, talk to somebody about, about that, which I don't know if it's compelling, or you know, radio or podcasting, but that is my favorite thing to do. It's so funny when you meet a friend and, uh, like you were at a bunch of shows you didn't know. I remember talking to my buddy, uh, shout out Tammy from the band murder for girls up in Pittsburgh. But I remember talking to her and like, you know, I, I go up to Pittsburgh a decent amount throughout the years to go to shows and she lives up there. And, uh, before we even knew each other, like just, you know, we'd be talking about shit and she'd like bring up a show. And I'm like, I was that like, Oh my God, like you were there. Yeah, I was there. Like we were like probably standing next to each other. And that's the thing. It's like, she like pop up. What was it? I think it was uh, the Offspring and Bad Religion and the Vandals. A great tour. They did the Summer Nationals in 2014 for uh, Smash's uh, 20th anniversary. That was a really good show. But uh, I think it was that one. She showed me a picture from where she was in the pit. And we were, like, literally fucking, like, I mean, like, really basically, like, next to each other. It was mine. But we didn't know each other at the time. But, like... It's just mind blowing. You start talking to to uh, people and like, oh my god, like we were both there. We just didn't, you know, we we're both at that same show. We just didn't know each other yet. So, so yeah, I, I feel like I had uh, a little bit of that with uh, with Joe last time he was in. 
But I uh, really had fun talking to him. 1913, you know, talking about returning guests, having Victor DiLorenzo back on the show. And this time with Janet Schiff, great time talking to them. And the whole band, too, they're a two-piece, so very, very easy to have the whole band in. And uh, I, I love... Uh, I love talking to them both. I mean, Victor, Victor, even the first time it was just him. I mean, a guy who, if you don't know the original drummer of the violent femmes, uh, like just, I mean, I, I love his music and I mean, I love, I love violent femmes, 1913. I've, I've, you know, I wasn't that familiar with them until I started talking to him. Then I interviewed him back in September when we played a 1913 song and I started listening to him after that. I was like, I really got into him. And this new Night Crickets record that uh, just came out last week, really, really good. Like, I'm just, I'm such a big fan of what he does, and uh, as well as Janet, but like, it's just so great when you can have people like that who you like what they do, and you just talk music with them, like, forever. You just, like, they're just sitting here, like, laugh. They're both making me laugh, like, just not, they're like the perfect artist, because both of them are extremely creative, very talented in, like, multiple facets, you know what I mean? But, like, They'll sit here and gladly explain things to you or break things down, like talk about, like they're excited about it. You know, it's not a like, oh, you wouldn't understand it or like, oh, you don't get what I'm saying. You know, like they're very like, you know, sometimes you, you meet people who are, who are very creative or artists and they're not as like, you know, outgoing or have that sense of humor. You know what I mean? Like I... I feel, and I, I do feel like you do see that a decent amount. I, I feel like that's why Patty from Dillinger 4 has how much art can you take tattooed on his chest. Like, you know, there's that pretentious side of art, but like what I like with, uh, you know, with Victor and Janet is like, is that you can tell like they care about their art and it's serious to them. And like, you know, it's, it's something that they put a lot of love and time and effort into but they don't take it they don't take that or themselves too seriously you know what i mean like and sometimes you get people who are you know they're as serious as their art is and it's hard to talk to them you know and it's not that way with them like they're great at like telling you what's up and what they're doing but being conversational about it and not you know not like in your face with it you know just more of like hey like this is what we're doing and stuff like i i don't know just very very easy to talk to, you know what I mean? And that's always great, including including Victor when it's like, dude, like you played on all those songs. Like you you played on one of the greatest debut records of all time. And you're this really nice, just really nice guy. You know, we'll gladly talk about it. We'll talk about your past. We'll talk about what you're working on now. You know, never annoyed if you ask a Violent Femmes question. Uh, you know, just really cool. And obviously we did that whole, uh, not this time, we talked about, you know, 1913 and Night Crickets a lot. But uh, the one before that was all was all Violent uh, violent Femmes, very, very Violent Femmes heavy. And, uh, you know, I appreciate that it'll, like, just kind of talk about anything and everything. And it was funny, I was talking to Janet after, like, like a couple days after we were emailing back and forth. And uh, she totally forgot to bring it up, but it's kind of funny. Uh, the current Violent Femmes drummer, who is in the band now, um, she actually used to work with him. She uh, she was his former drummer. the The current Violent Femmes drummer used to be Janet's drummer. So, like, you know, they kind of basically Victor switched jobs with uh with Janet's old drummer which I believe someone else as far as the timeline goes I know Violent Femmes have had a couple different drummers I don't think 
He's I think they've had a few drummer I think they've had one or two drummers since Victor. But yeah, their current drummer used to play with uh, Janet, which is just so funny. It's such a small world, you know. It's uh I mean, you know, they're still based in Milwaukee, but it's just so I don't know, that's so crazy. You know what I mean? That that's so wild to have uh to have that connection both ways, you know, that that both drummers have played in the Violent Femmes and both have played with uh, Janet now. So yeah, that was just a funny little factoid that uh, when we were talking, she brought up. And she's like, I I don't know how I uh, forgot to bring this up in the interview, but like, here's a little factoid you'll uh, you probably get a kick out of. So yeah, I I did I did get get a, a kick out of that factoid, but uh, I I gotta say though, Victor best best drummer included like Violent Femmes, their best drummer was Victor. I mean the best the best records were uh, you know with Victor and uh, they, they I mean they still have like the thing. I I think nowadays, like the last couple of Violent Femmes records, like there are still good songs. Like I think they're still capable of writing good songs, but it's spotty. You know what I mean? It's not it's not the great it's not the great records that uh you know that I I think you have to you have to give some credit to that to that uh you know the the dynamic or the you know the energy whatever it is the music that was made by those three by Gordon uh Brian and Victor like I I think that lineup those three just something about it was the band in its best form you know I mean you know they've been going for years now and again like they still I still get excited for new Violent Femmes records but they're the the best stuff was was Victor DiLorenzo era like 100%. You know, that was that was quintessential violent femmes and like all the uh, all the essentials are, you know, within that uh, you know, that like decade that uh, that first decade that uh, Victor is playing with them. But yeah, great great guest. He will definitely be back on. He's one of those ones where it's like any and every reason I can have Victor on, I'll have Victor on. I have such a fun time with him talking to him any anything and everything you know he's up there same with like greg eckland he's another one where it's like dude the second the ulas put out a new record the second you finish up that documentary you put out a new solo record whatever it is gotta have you back in it's just it's it's too fun not to have you in so uh so yeah doing those and then you know like i mentioned justin vaughn from low morale from uh, up in cleveland that was my other interview my uh, other guest this month and uh, it was really fun talking to him. Really, uh, really good time. It's it's fun because that one that one was a lot more in the vein of the Joey Cobra interview, you know. But I like I like the variety. Like I like mixing things up. Like I like that the week before, you know, talking to nineteen thirteen, where it's you know this this duo with cello and drums, and you know it, it's it's a little more like out there and experimental and stuff. And then the next week, you know, I have I have low morale on or you know Justin on talking low morale and you know they're more of a straightforward like pop punk emo band and you know like i i like mixing that up and i i love like i just love music so like i'm into both sides that you know what i mean like i'm into low morale but i'm also in 1913 hopefully you are as well you know what i mean and i get it like i never have the idea that uh you know people are gonna like every single person i have on the show like you know i i have i do keep this show i say punk and alternative alternative but like you know, it's also my musical tastes and like, I like different things. So it's like, I'm, I'm not too afraid of like, you know, just kind of just doing that. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be all pop punk bands. It also doesn't have to be all like, you know, like weird alternative kind of stuff. Like it, it can be, 
it can be a little bit of everything. You know what I mean? I like to mix that up. Like maybe one week you like the guest, maybe the next week it's a genre, you know, or kind of style of music that you're not that into, you know, and then the following week I have someone that you are into, you know. But um, I do feel like the Justin, the Justin Vaughn interview was a lot like the Joey Cobra one with uh, not not just musically. I mean, I mean, Joe and uh, Justin both, uh, you know, kind of kind of in the same vein and I think have a lot of the same influences. But just that that real like it's an interview, but like also just kind of bullshitting about like shows we've seen and just great bands, you know, like midwest emo bands and stuff like that like just some of our favorite like like talking knockout like the band knockout which doesn't happen a whole lot on anyway i was gonna say this show but just life in general when you're out there walking down the street you don't have a whole lot of conversations about the band knockout but i will actually say though to pat myself on the back i've had more conversations about the band knockout in my life than most people probably have. And not just on this show. I also got to say that. Not just behind this mic. I've had conversations about the band Knockout in uh, in everyday life. And and again, it's not something that happens a lot. So I I, I don't want to say I'm special, but I'm, I'm a little special there. I got I to gotta say, I think it makes me a little special. But yeah, just people who like genuinely like love... I mean, really, like, a genre of music where it's, like, they'll know those bands where it's, like, the only reason you would know them is because you were going to shows and they were, like, you know, opening them or, like, whatever. You really have to be into it, into into the music to know some of that stuff. And, like, you know, both of those, both of those dudes, including from being musicians themselves and playing shows, you know, tons of uh, bands and stories like that. And same with, like, even, even not obscure ones, just even the current scene, like, talking to... Uh, Justin about like current like Ohio bands like you know Heart Attack Man and Heart and Lung and uh, Light Years and all those I mean there's some great there really are some great Ohio bands I gotta say there there's some really good music that comes from that area and uh, I mean Cleveland Cleveland really but also like Cincinnati Columbus you know you definitely get bands like Akron Akron you get bands and stuff like there's there's a few places I mean uh, the band Mixtapes, one of my favorite bands of the 2010s, you know, from Cincinnati. And, uh, you know, there's a couple other bands that have kind of, like, Cincinnati bands that, like, Maura Weaver's been in. And, uh, you know, Ryan Rockwell did a few others. Like, you know, like, kind of kind of within that, like, Mixtapes universe that, uh, you know, hail from Cincinnati that are just excellent, you know. And then, the, I mean, the Dopamines, you know, the Dopamines, great, including you're talking like, about, like, Midwest pop punk. I mean, so, so good, you know, uh, who else, who else, who else can we talk about? Great, great, uh, Ohio bands, 500 miles to Memphis, our buddies in 500 miles to Memphis over in, uh, also in, also a Cincinnati band, um, night beast, lots of, lots of good ones, lots of good music coming out from, uh, of Ohio. And like, again, like I have, I have a, uh, being in Western New York and I mean, people from this area, I think know what I'm talking about in, I mean, you, you could probably though, you know, if you live somewhere, other places probably have an equivalent of this. So you probably know what I'm talking about, but like, you know, being, being in an area where like, you know, we're not like people here in New York and they think, you know, New York city and shit, I'm so far away from that, but I'm only a few hours from Cleveland. So like, you know, just spending, uh, spending a lot of time up there, even though I'm from New York state, um, you know, Cleveland, I've, I have so many memories and stuff in, you know what I mean? Like 
almost like you're living there. It's not like, not like just a few, like years and years and years. Like, I mean, I, I, you know, COVID COVID times not going up there as often, but, um, you know, back in, back in like college days, like college, Anthony, I mean, God damn college, Anthony was going up there constantly. Um, you know, nonstop, I mean, tons and tons of times a year, you know, not once or twice, more like once or twice a month. Um, you know, so yeah, I, I definitely have a, a soft spot for uh, Cleveland and Ohio in general, same with like Pennsylvania, like, you know, like with Pittsburgh and Erie and stuff, like again, just living in an area where like you're right on that border and, uh, you know, the land of Wawa and sheets calls me and, uh, sometimes I, I have to go for it, you know? Being loving, loving nature though too. Like you know, Pennsylvania, the PA wilds and everything. Like amazing, amazing stuff. Some of, uh, and and I don't think people. I think it's one of those things where if you know about it, like you definitely get people who are like hiking enthusiasts or like you know are just really into like going and finding the best national forests. And now you're like national parks, like national forests, and like some really good hikes and primitive camping places. I mean, Pennsylvania has some of the best, I think, out there. But, again, I think it's one of those things where it's not a it's, – it's not – whether you say common knowledge or just like the average person I don't think realizes that, it's not maybe the first place that jumps in your mind. But um, I think if you've been there, then it does because you, you, know, you know how great it is. But, uh, yeah, so, so I, like, I like that, you know, like talking and, – and I won't stay on it because I think I probably talked about it when I talked to Justin, but, like – the I think something that I can get out. I did talk about this with Joey because he's from here, so he can he can uh, you know he knows what I'm talking about when I talk about it. But like I think something I take away with I look back and go, you know, being from a smaller area where you know music scene we have bands and stuff like that, but like not a like punk alternative music scene like bands. Not, not right now it's kind of sounds outdated but more like i i don't know if maybe even like five years ago like i feel like everything around here you know you were either a metalcore band like really that's all to, like there weren't punk bands and that's why and that's why i love joe so much too because like he was in the band wake and it's like there's no punk bands pop punk bands from like jamestown or chautauqua county and uh you know those dudes were doing it when no one else was and uh, I really, really appreciate that. You know, I, I appreciate when people, including a time where there is no scene, there's no scene for them to join and go play bands who sound like them. You know what I mean? You just have to kind of go like navigate a a music scene of like jam bands and metalcore bands, but you're playing like pop punk. You know, you're playing like Fat Records drum beats and stuff. So it's like I, I definitely, uh, I definitely give them credit. But anyway. I, I think being in a place like this, sometimes you can be bummed out where it's like, and it really is probably anywhere that's small or doesn't really have a music scene, which there are small places that still have great music scenes. So size doesn't have so much to do with it. I, I think there's small, there's small areas that probably have better music scenes than like big cities, you know? So that doesn't matter so much, but still either way, coming from a place where maybe you don't have the music scene that uh, you wish you did. But like I look I look back now and I go I appreciate though that I was I was near so many places where I could take part in different scenes. Like maybe I didn't have my one main scene in Jamestown where like it was the venue I went to see all my favorite bands at and all these like great local bands and shit. Like okay, maybe it's not that, but like I have favorite local bands from like, you know, Cleveland and Pittsburgh and Buffalo and Erie and like 
there's so many local bands I saw open for different bands and, you know, just all these different venues, little holes in the walls, the house shows, like, you know, you, you kind of get to, maybe I'm not committed to like one music scene, but like I get to jump around and see them all. Like, it's kind of cool. You know what I mean? Like literally like Ohio, which is Midwest. Then you have Pennsylvania, you know, then you, and you have New York, you know, which is East coast. Like you have all, and they're all within a few hours of each other, but you know, different, just different vibes and areas and, you know, music and, you know, different venues, different kinds of bands. Like, you know, I, I appreciate that. Cause I, I think if you're in a place where you have, which I mean, you know, not always a bad thing, you have a really good music scene. So like, why would you go anywhere else? But like, you may not know what's going on the city next to you, you know, that city that's like an hour away from you, you might not know what their music scene's like, but I do, you know? So it's like, I, I think that is something I, uh, when I look back at it, you know, in this area, I can appreciate that, you know, because, uh, I mean, you gotta appreciate something. You're always pain in the ass for like how much you have to uh, plan. If you want to go see a show and you kind of got to make a day of it. Cause you got to drive somewhere. But like, again, I, I think taking that bullshit aside, it's kind of cool that I got to see, you know, like a little bit of everything. So like, I don't know. I, I think that's neat. I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one either. I mean, you get that, you know, like tri-state areas too. I, I'm, I'm sure on the other side of, uh, but see, they're a bigger place. So, I mean, theirs isn't so much, they don't have a scene. Theirs is more proximity. So you can kind of jump around, but I mean, you know, that New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania is kind of the same thing where it's like you live in some of those places and, you know, maybe the small ass town you come from has zero bands and no music scene, but like, you know, you may only live like, you know, New York city might be a 40 minute train ride and, you know, Philadelphia might not be far from you. And, you know, New Jersey's right there. Like, you know, so I, I think spread out, you know, it's kind of the same thing where it's a, you jump around, play different places. I mean, there's so many bands from back in the day who I still don't know if they're either from New Jersey but had a really good uh, um, reception in Philadelphia or if they were from Philadelphia and had a really good reception like New Jersey. Like there's so many interchangeable bands I feel like from that time who I think the starting line are like that. Like the starting line I think were – it was either them or the early November. I think I remember they were like – I think they were from New Jersey, but Philadelphia was like – that was it felt more like home shows I, and i i think it's one of them like i think they've they've said that before like it, it's kind of the same thing like you know yes we're from this state but honestly this part embraces us more actually i mean another one that's like that and again you know they're they're big places because you got cincinnati but i mean cincinnati right there if you've never been there and i didn't realize it till i went there but like you literally go on like a fucking bridge you drive over a bridge and you're in kentucky and having having that uh that area right there and I'm blank oh Indiana that was the other one cuz I remember talking to Ryan about that 500 miles to Memphis but like taking advantage of that of being of uh just another tri-state area of like fuck like I mean we're in Cincinnati but we also have Kentucky right there in Indiana and uh you know using that to uh, your advantage you know cuz you don't you know and again you're in a big place like like say Chicago Chicago is one I kind of think of where it's like I bet if you're in the Chicago music scene, which, you know, again, big fucking music scene and a very good one too. I, I, I think to this day, still a pretty strong, uh, music scene there. But like, yeah, if, if you're ingrained in that, you're probably not going to see what's going on in like 
you know, even even like the Milwaukee music scene, you may not really know as much what's going on of. You know, I think it's probably easier to kind of stay in your bubble the uh, you know, the bigger the place, you know. But but I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm just a bitter a bitter man with no scene to call his own. I, I don't I don't know. But uh I do know I do know those topics did come up this month with uh with Joey and Justin and uh both were great and uh as well as nineteen thirteen they were very fun too. But I don't think we talk so much about uh about music scenes. Maybe maybe a little like Milwaukee music, but not not so much about uh different ones. But yeah, I uh great guests to start out the year and again I have some ones I'm really excited for uh coming up. I'm recording this Friday night. Normally I do this like Saturday or Sunday night. I'm actually recording this Friday night, so actually it'll probably come out like Sunday. But um because I have a couple guests for the weekend that I'm uh I'm recording and I have some neat things. A couple things for the radio show too, a few things that are exclusive to the radio show. But uh, also guests that obviously will hear on here. And actually, those things are exclusive to the radio show. I think we'll probably end up on the podcast feed eventually. So I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I guess I'm like, I'm, I tell you it's exclusive, then it's not exclusive. I don't know. I guess you'll have to find out. But, uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of cool stuff uh, coming down the pipeline, I think, for a Power Court Hour. And uh, including February being our sixth anniversary, I definitely would like to uh, just have a, have a good – I mean, special, but not even in a certain way, just like have a good month of like shows. Like that's a good way to celebrate six years of, uh, doing the power court hour is just doing good fucking episodes, you know, just being like, Oh, that was a good guest. Oh, that was a good interview. So, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully I, I do that coming up, but, uh, yeah, I mean, closing out, uh, January, starting it out, not kind of strong. I mean, hiking, hiking when I could, and when I couldn't, reading Richard Ramone's book and uh, playing a little guitar and bass and booking guests and talking to guests, um, you know, I've, I've been talking to, uh, you know, Zach, who uh, we have, you probably know from here, Zach, and <laughs> you know Zach, but uh, yeah, you know, from uh, the bad boy of Illinois, uh, Zach Gorsheski. and uh, I think we were kind of talking uh, not too long ago, he was talking about maybe us... Uh, playing you know trying to write some stuff together and we i mean we talk about it constantly that's a thing every six months it gets brought up so at some point i'm just kind of like yeah 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 like sure we will um even i get kind of cynical about it but i I know we've kind of been talking about that and i've been noodling around with shit so you know maybe maybe i'll i'll write something that just hits me i I gotta i gotta write with them it'll be interesting because i talk to a lot of you know i interview a lot of people who like write like remotely where like you know i mean night crickets victor di lorenzo's new album night crickets he uh all three members were in different places of the world i think uh david J was over in the i think he was in the uk actually um when they recorded it but like i don't know i i, I think most people prefer being in studio or in person if you can but um you know it's always interesting like with zach with us sending uh you know ideas and stuff together back and forth because it never gets super you know like i've never i've never went the amount like blink 182 recording in different studios and sending shit back and forth via email i'm sure was a lot more there was a lot more going on than just sending like a rough demo to a friend via email but um you know i i don't know it's kind of i think it's interesting i think you probably get a hang of it after a while remotely doing that but in the beginning, I think it's kind of hard to get used to. Like, 
you send the idea and it's not real time either. Like there's a dip, which is good and bad. Cause sometimes it's also weird to be in the same room with someone as you're playing that and vice also if someone's playing something for you, like I, I very much, you know, it, it's, and that's why I think this shit's interesting talking to musicians about and like getting their uh, view on it. But like, I, I just also know from experience, like even, even just friends, like trying to get some, get kind of like get some, some kind of project around and like, your friend just playing you a shitty song that they wrote and you just having to tell them you can't say it's shitty, but you have to tell them it's shitty without saying it's shitty. And that's a hard thing to do. <laughs> I've also, I've also been, uh, I, I think I've gotten better at, it, but I think in the beginning, I think as a teenager and I'd play with friends, I, I think sometimes I'm like, what, what are you guys talking about? But like, that I'd be too, like, this song just fucking sucks. Like, I think maybe I was too on the nose where, like, I had to learn, like, you got to tell them it sucks without telling them it sucks. Or maybe in the beginning I, I I would tell, like, friends, like, no, it sucks. And I would I would put it out there. I'd be quite literal. There wouldn't be – I'd make sure there wasn't a way you could misconstrue it. You you knew you knew that I thought it sucked. But, uh, you know, so like, I, I think in a way it's kind of nice not, not having to be in the room when you're like playing stuff for people, but like at the same time, it's, you know, that, that real time interaction include, I, I think it's better to be in the room if it's going well, if the song, if the song's not good, it's better to have sent an email and not have to be in the same room as them when they, uh, when they listen to it. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know the, uh, maybe, maybe I'll crack through, you know, like I was talking about with the cold weather, writing, uh, getting creative and writing music, maybe, uh, maybe some of the stuff I've been playing too lately, maybe I'll get, uh, maybe I'll get Zach involved and we'll get, we'll get like something out there. I don't, I don't know. We always talk about it, but I don't know. I'm sure we will eventually. It's too bad we don't live in the same area. Cause we've, when we've been together, like last summer when I went out to, uh, I, I was at his house for a few days, um, we jammed and, uh, and we jammed a few times in the past too, but like always really fun. Like, I think we both get where the other one's coming from, like our, our music taste and everything. Like we just, you know what I mean? We we're friends. We get it. I, I know where his influences lie. He knows where my influences lie. And, uh, I, I would, I would love to be in a band with the dude. I would definitely love to be in a band with the dude. I think we, uh, I think we mesh well, but, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't seem to be rushing to move to Springfield, Illinois, and uh, he doesn't seem to be rushing to uh, move to Jamestown, New York. So until that happens, maybe we'll have to meet in the middle and get Kyle in on this. And uh, I forget where the fuck he lives. I always forget it. It's, I mean, I always kind of say Chicago, but really he lives like, I think like an hour outside of Chicago. He lives in like a suburb. But uh, maybe we'll just meet in the middle and like go there. And then, and then there'll be the three of us. And then we really will be the bad boys of Illinois. So I think, I think that's the prophecy. But uh, but new music. Let's get into it. I've been bullshitting here for like an hour now, just just talking. But uh, but hopefully hopefully you enjoy it. I enjoy talking about all this stuff, and I hope you you derive some kind of joy out out of it yourselves. But uh, new music. Talking about new releases of uh, January, which I got to say, not a bad start. Um, I've seen worse Januaries with a lot less in it. I I think last year was one of them. I mean, the Dirty Nil put out Fuck Art, the best album of the year, but like you know, not 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 to not to like just scoff at that, but I mean, there just wasn't a lot of releases. But uh there were a couple this month and uh I mean, it goes without saying I've been talking about them here, but uh 
Victor DiLorenzo had a pretty busy January, and uh, Night Crickets just put out their debut record, A Free Society. Go check that out. Um, again, it is a band that does not sound like what you would think a band would that has members of uh, Violent Femmes, Bauhaus, and Love and Rockets, but it's so good. Like it, It's so good. It sounds totally different than what you probably would conjure up in your head, but I promise you it is a great record, and no song – no song sounds the same. No two songs sound the same, but they all mesh so well together. Like the album is so cohesive and just really works. And uh, Victor's other one with uh, his bandmate Janet Schiff, 1913, with cello and drums forever. We premiered that bad boy right here on the show, and uh, that is out now. So definitely go grab that. The Dolly Rots just put out a new uh, rarities and covers collection with Down the Rabbit Hole. I, uh, I I didn't get to listen to all of it yet, but I was listening to uh, their cover of Ruby Soho and a couple other ones on there, and uh, really really good. Dolly Rots are a band that, to be honest, I uh, you know sometimes I forget about the Dolly Rots or how good they are. You know I mean, I even forget about them, but I forget that they're such a uh, good band. And then I was listening to that cover and a couple other songs on them, like fuck, I always forget that the Dolly Rots are really rad. And uh, a good one, which we'll play here in a second, Game Time, just put out a new single, In the Face of It. They were a uh, early 2000s pop-punk band from uh, Kansas City, and they've been uh, they've putting out a couple things lately. I don't, I don't know if their plan is to put out uh, a full length or what their uh, deal is, but uh, the song's really good, and I'll definitely play that for you here in a, a couple minutes. It is In the Face of It, their uh, newest single. Rotten Mind put out a lot of singles this month. Rotten Mind put out a new single called Drifter, which uh, I really, really like. Definitely go check that one out. Uh, another one, and that one is coming off their uh, record, Unflavored. I don't know when it's coming out, but they're a Swedish band. I'd never heard of them until just like a week or so ago when they put that single out. But I'm very excited. You know, talking about like uh, anticipated records of the year, I uh, definitely have to throw that up there because that song, Drifter, is uh, really, really good. Uh, Stress Dolls, they got their new release, Forward, and uh, we will have Chelsea on the show here in the next couple weeks. She uh, She's going to be on the show. We're going to talk uh, some new music, and I'm excited to talk to her. She's never she's never been on the show, but, I mean, we've we've talked online and stuff. I, I play Stress Dolls on here all the time, and uh, I, her her taste in music, like, aligns perfectly with mine. Like Like, in the overlapping of, like, Someone who likes the replacements, but also likes like take this to your grave era Fallout Boy, you know what I mean? So like I'm I'm a fan of the music she makes, but also we're on like the same wave wavelength with uh, our music taste. So I think that'll be a really fun one. So be on the lookout for that. We'll have uh, Chelsea from Stress Dolls coming up here in the next couple of weeks. She basically is Stress Dolls. I mean, there's other she does she does like full band and acoustic, but like at the end of the day. She kind of is stress dolls, but uh, I would go check that out. Uh, their new their new uh, release forward, great great Buffalo band just from up the road here in uh, Buffalo, and uh, another good one, another single. We got Bring on the Storm with their single Decompose. One Hidden Frame just put out their uh, latest single. You are free to go. We'll play that here in a minute too, and uh, kind of a tearjerker, but like a really like a tearjerker with riffs. With like really good uh, riffs in it, and uh, really enjoy the song. Uh, new album from Billy Talent. They just put out Crisis of Faith. 
Uh, Gregor Barnett, Greg Barnett of the Menzingers, just put out another single, uh, The First Dead Body I Ever Saw, and that comes off his uh, first uh, solo record coming out next month. I'm really looking forward to it. Don't go throwing roses in my grave. They'll be out uh, February 18th. I played uh, I played that title track. It was either last month or maybe the November rundown. I can't. I think November rundown. I think it came out in November. But uh, I like this new single. I like. I like the last single more. But the first dead body I ever saw was still pretty good. I'm I'm really excited for uh, this new record. And I mean, Will Yip, uh, he produced it and also I think played drums on it. I want to say, which uh, I mean, Will Yip is like. If you want to talk about like modern producers, I mean he's up there as one of the best. I mean he's he's produced some of the best like modern day just fucking pop punk emo alternative classics. Like that guy can do no wrong and uh, he's worked on a couple Menzinger records and always good. So I mean the fact Greg Greg is an amazing songwriter and they have Will behind him um you just it's going to be fucking good. Uh you know, short and sweet, it's going to be fucking good, kids. And uh, another one, and I'm going to play this for you right now. Let me tell you, I got to say, the UK, the the like best music of this year, I think, is going to be coming out of the UK with uh, between Lovebreakers being in the studio right now, which they've been teasing stuff on social media. And uh, when I interviewed them, they said they were going in the studio. And they weren't lying when they said they were going in the studio in 2022 because they're already in there. And uh, between that and this band, Reminders, who I'm going to play you something for in a second, um, another UK band. I mean, the best music this year, I think, is coming out of there. Between whatever whatever follow up to Primary Colors, Love Breakers puts out, and uh, this new one coming out from Reminders, their new album, Best of Beach Punk. Um, it's it's some good fucking music coming out from over there. And uh, if you don't believe me, I'm going to play the uh, first single off that upcoming record, and uh, it will be coming out over here in the States on Wiretap Records. I forget who's putting it out over in uh, the UK, but coming out over here on Wiretap Records, that label continues to uh, impress me. Also, Lovebreakers are on there, but fucking Wiretap Records just knows good music. They know when a band is good. So uh, I keep talking them up, but I'm going to let the music do the rest of it. Right now, here is Reminders with their new single, Carousel, right here on the January 2022 rundown of the Power Chord Hour podcast. Does the carousel ever still spinning? Cause I'm just sitting here watching the wheels go round, round and round. Until the losers ever start winning, cause I've been on a dry spell. Yeah, one of those spells. So tell me how you really feel. Yeah. 
without a front top and pissed off And I don't know where to go I've been stuck between these fools In this place that I could hold I've gotta go I've just gotta go
This is Chelsea from Stress Dolls, and you are tuned into the Power Chord Hour. January 2022 rundown of the Power Court Hour podcast. That was a new single from the band Game Time in the face of it. Like I said, they're a great uh, early 2000s Kansas City band, and they're uh, back to making some new music and uh, some really good stuff there. Before that was one hidden frame with You Are Free to Go off their uh, new upcoming record coming out very, very soon. Really, really good Swedish band there. Really, I mean, look at they they get they gave us Mel and Collins, so I mean, they know a thing or two about pop punk over in Sweden. But I gotta say, like, I I will get I will get some bands from Sweden like thrown my way that you know, which I mean, fuck yeah, you know, like the internet is so rad because I mean, a lot of bands I probably would never have heard of without the internet, but like 
a lot of good shit coming out of you know i mentioned the uk earlier and sweden's another one sweden i'll get i'll get sent bands out of nowhere i'm like holy shit like that band knows how to like whether it be like punk or something like that, or like the boatsman another great band who uh like there's just so much uh, uh good stuff that comes out it seems like from over in sweden so uh definitely if you're looking for good music and like you know kind of kind of like broaden your horizons or not just like you know music from around you that's not a uh not a bad place to go looking for some good music if you're looking for uh, like some good international music, depending where you're listening to. Maybe you're listening to this in Sweden, and it's not international at all. Maybe this shit is just local, you know? I, I don't know. But uh, opening up that block of music, coming off uh, what is what has become one of my most anticipated albums of the year, but that was Reminders with their new single, Carousel, off their uh, debut record, Best of Beach Punk. That will be out April 1st. Uh, if you're over here in the States, they'll be out over on, uh, on wiretap records and, uh, oh, it'll be out on, uh, I had it written down here. I forgot earlier. I said, I couldn't remember. Well, guess what? I have it written down right here. It will be coming out on Venn records, V E N N in the UK and wiretap records over here in the States. And, uh, again, very, very excited for that. I, uh, I maybe have heard a couple other songs off the record too. And holy fuck, it is good. It is it is really really good. Like I it, excited. It, I'm I'm very very excited. Uh, excited might be an understatement. I'm I'm really stoked, including when a newer band like that comes out and just fucking hits you right away. Like I uh, I just became privy of them privy of them recently, and I went back and looked, and they have a few uh, they have a few things out like uh, you know like singles and a couple like just random off things, but like this first full length like this is a strong debut like they really they really got something special here so i'm excited for it so keep an eye out on them they're on they're on social media go follow them i'll i'll put links to uh, all three of those bands in the uh in the description of this here episode but definitely go make sure you go support all those bands and grab their music but uh we're going to move on to some music news for you here before uh, i shut the fuck up and am done with this episode. <laughs> I got a few more things to say before I uh before I I do so before I uh before the shutting the fuck up commences. I I have a few more things to tell you and uh a very a very cool one. Some good news here. Uh Jawbreaker if you've not heard, um they have announced a spring tour celebrating the 25th anniversary of the band's classic record and my personal favorite Jawbreaker record, Dear You. And uh, the band's going to be playing the record front to back, as well as songs from other records. Um, obviously, Jawbreaker Records—they're not—they're uh, not going to be up there doing any Jets to Brazil, I don't believe. But uh, it's very—it is crazy because what started out is like I think originally there was like I don't know maybe five or six dates um, for this tour, and I don't know how much was planned before and like just wasn't announced yet, or like I, I don't know what it was, but like. These shows just keep selling out and they keep like adding to them. Like it is, it is why, which is also cool because it shows that the demand is there. I mean, it's, I think they were also kind of testing the waters. And I've wondered that a, a little bit the, uh, the last few years, they're kind of testing the waters of like, you know, what, what markets or what places, you know, would really want to see Jawbreaker the most after re- they reunited. And, and I mean, just watching this happen the last few uh, weeks, just adding more dates and cities, I, I think there's quite a demand for uh, people wanting to see Jawbreaker play uh, Dear You front to back. But, I mean, right now, as as I'm recording this, they're currently, I believe, have 28 dates altogether. 
And uh, they're going to be playing in Seattle, Minneapolis, New York City, Denver, Chicago, Detroit, Los Angeles, Portland, San Francisco, Silver Spring, Atlanta, uh, Philly, Boston, and Nashville. Which, again, is crazy because in the beginning I think it was like New York, Portland, uh, I think Los Angeles, Denver. And uh, it's just kept going from there. And, I mean, already you have Jawbreaker fucking playing their best record front to back. But uh, a bunch of great openers for this on, uh, and this is this is just some of them. There are a ton of uh, people opening for them. But on top of comedians too, not just bands, but also comedians are opening for them. But uh, some of the openers on select dates include Descendants, Lucero, Warriors, Jawbox, Built to Spill, Face to Face, Sam I Am, and I mean the best one having to be Lemonheads who uh, are going to be playing a few dates with them and playing It's a Shame About Ray front to back. I mean, my fucking God. Like People who go to that show, or those couple shows, are going to get to hear Dear You and It's a Shame About Ray at the same show, and uh, that is that is insane. Those uh, Both those records are up there. If I, if I was putting together a, uh, like a top 10 favorite records of the 90s, Without a doubt, those records got to be in there somewhere. Both of the, both of those records land on there. Like, is quintessential '90s records. Like, you don't get much better than "Dear You" and "It's a Shame About Ray." And uh, it's it's been wild because I 100% am going. I have to see this tour, but which what date I go to or what I can even get a ticket for is the question now because it, it's so funny in the beginning. In the beginning, really, uh, Denver is what you wanted. They had a few dates, but Denver had Descendants and Face to Face opening. And then Sam I Am got thrown onto that. So, like, Denver overall, I think, still has the best lineup of Sam I Am, Face to Face, Descendants, and Jawbreaker. But, I mean, the ones with the Lemonheads fucking playing It's a Shame About Ray. You know, you you know again. It's it's the amount of bands on that Denver one, but I mean, Lemonheads and Jawbreaker. That's a fucking that's a show. the The closest one to me for Lemonheads is Boston, but Detroit is the closest in terms of just proximity. Like that's like four four and a half hours from Jamestown, so that's like the most doable. That one has Lucero and Smoking Popes. So and that was another one I, I forgot to uh, again a bunch of a bunch of other bands the Linda Lindas are opening some of the dates um, I'm still drawing a blank I know there's other bands too like there like you got to go look there's a bunch of bands uh, opening all uh, different dates and again different comedians I know Chris Gethard is on there Kyle Kinane and uh, a few others I'd not heard of but uh, yeah couple comedians opening them up i don't know they're not the first band to do that i know i've heard of other like tours and bands who had like comedians open up shows and i don't know i'm conflicted on it there's part of me that goes i think that would be fun and there's another part of me that's like i don't want to see a fucking comedian i just want to i want to hear jawbreaker play dear you front to back like you know what i mean like if that makes sense like and i i like i like comedy and stuff and uh you know i wouldn't i wouldn't mind seeing a little like stand-up but like it's more of the context of what you're seeing it in. You know what I mean? Like if I'm in like a comedy club, I'd like to see comedy, but like if I'm getting pumped the fuck up to hear Jawbreaker play my favorite songs, I don't, I don't know. I mean, again, I'm not, I'm not shitting. I kind of like the idea because I think it's kind of neat that they're like doing something like that. But, uh, I've never personally, again, like I've, I've heard of, uh, you know, people doing that, you know, having comedians on tour with them, but I've never personally seen it myself. So I'm kind of interested in how that will, uh, 
how that'll be. But I don't know. I'm thinking right now Detroit is probably where I'm going to end up. And I mean, with Smoking Popes and Lucero opening, that's not a bad that again, like it's such a good problem to have to be like, I don't know what show to go to. Do I go to the one where Lemonheads play? It's a shame about Ray. Or do I go to the one that Lucero and the Smoking Popes are at? And uh, I've never seen, I've seen the Smoking Popes live a couple times. I've never seen Lucero live somehow. For a band that plays as often as they do, it's kind of like when I got shamed by that girl at Amoeba Records in San Francisco when I, I bought a bunch of X records, and uh, and we were talking, and and she was a she was a fan of X too, and like when I told her that I'd never seen them live before, it was almost like and like. And she's wearing a mask, so, like, you can only tell by, like, I mean, very, very little, I guess, like, eyes, but, like, her facial expression, like, what the fuck, dude? Like, like, what? Like, you've never seen X live? Like, how have you never, like, like, how dare you even buy these albums? Like, you've never seen them live? They play, con- and she's right, they play constantly. Like, they're always, Lucero's another one. Like, you know, there's certain bands where it's, like, I've never seen so-and-so. Well, that makes sense because they broke up 20 years ago and they, like, play weekends. But, like, Lucero is by all means a very much a, a touring band and so are X. But I've uh, I've never seen X or Lucero live. So maybe I'll be seeing Lucero live here uh, coming up in April. But those, those are selling out, though, too. I still haven't bought a ticket. And uh, they just had another Detroit show, but the first one sold out. So I don't know. But there's another part of me that's waiting are we going to get a Cleveland date? Are we going to get a Pittsburgh date? Like, is there something closer to here? Because I'll kick myself if, uh, you know, we have something a lot closer. I guess the other thing, too, well, I was going to say if they play Toronto, but I think with restrictions right now, I bet they don't even try to, you know what I mean? Like, everything's up in the air anyway. Like, you know I mean? If things had to get rescheduled, moved around for, you know, any of these dates, I wouldn't be surprised, but... I, uh, I I think in normal times they probably would play something like Toronto, and that would be my go-to. But uh, I don't I I don't see them even trying to add that right now. I bet later on in the year, I'm sure they bring this tour. I'm, this seems like a tour has to hit like Canada and the UK and shit. But um, I think as of right now, they're probably staying around here. But like again, I don't know what to do because they've like. It just keeps tour like the shows keep selling out. They keep adding like more fucking bet like. And at the, at the end of the day, they could have the shittiest openers in the world. Like, the other thing is how cool, like, they have all these great openers for these shows because really, like, you're going there to see them play this album front to back. Like, they by all means could just have a shitty opener that you don't care about. But really, like, they really thought out, like, again, even the comedian thing I think is a little odd. I You can tell they kind of thought out the comedians they have on there and everything. Like, it's really a, I think, a well, like, put together uh, tour. And I'm looking forward to it, but... I uh yeah I, I something tells me it's not over. I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if a few more like major cities get thrown on there. But they're interesting because I think I think they're a band where like you know when they reunited, obviously they reunited at Riot Fest and it was huge. And you know they're a band who kind of go play the festival circuit. And I've seen them like I saw them in Portland a few years ago, and I believe they're playing the same place this time. And I I can't remember the name of the theater off the top of my head. Beautiful beautiful old theater. But, um, you know, seeing them there, I mean, it was a pretty big place, but it was still like, I think 800 or a thousand people, like somewhere around there. And like, just it's, I think with some bands like that, I think they were kind of navigating it because sure, Jawbreaker gets back together and like Portland and Chicago and like New York City, 
you know, there'll definitely be people people who come out to see that. But, like, I think they were kind of testing waters because obviously Jawbreaker the first time around weren't very big. You know, they got big with time, but now you're trying to figure that out because, you know, it's not – I think it was probably like that with that way with the replacements a few years ago when they came back to do their reunion tours. They were never huge, so it's not this thing where it's like, let's go play all those big markets. There were no markets that I think they were ever particularly big in, so it's not like, oh, let's just route it like our old – like you know, like our old routing way, like, you know, they're probably trying to figure that out now. Like where in 2022 can a jawbreaker, like, you know, pull in a thousand or 2000 people. But I think they're apparently finding out everywhere, which uh, is very cool. I mean, it makes me happy for them. I, I think they're a band who very much like, again, were in their day, weren't really given their dues and, you know, have, have kind of come back to, to uh, get the fruits of their labors, you know, long, long after they were uh, due to them, you know, which uh, I think I think is very cool. They've teased like writing music. I don't know. It's one of those. I I'm, I've said it before, but it's like Jawbreaker. I could take or leave because I go leave the legacy the way it is. Don't write new music, and I'm totally cool with that. But look at, I mean, if Jawbreaker writes new music. I gotta listen to it. You know what I mean? Like I'm not not gonna listen to it. So I'm uh. I'm kind of either way. Like, I don't think I would be set, which, I mean, it's still early on. I think I think if they toured for, like, the next 15 years and never wrote anything else, I think even after a while I might be like, fuck, like, do something else. Like, you know, I, I keep hearing the same set. But I, I think at least for the time being, I I at least have not been like, oh, my God, the world needs a new Jawbreaker record. So I, I think more than anything, which, I, I mean, you know, I don't know. I'm speculating. But I feel like that's kind of where they're at where – they're not rushing to put anything out, but if they end up right, you know what I mean? Like if the three of them jam together and something really good comes out of it, I, I think it will be released for the world to hear, but I don't think they're like clamoring, you know, they don't feel like they have to put out a, a new jawbreaker record, like right the second, you know, which is a good thing. It's good as, as, uh, as fans, but um, speaking about new music, this is a uh, really good, more, more good news actually, but a uh, band camp have announced that they will be bringing back, they're world famous Bandcamp Fridays starting uh, next month in February, and a uh, very very cool Bandcamp Friday is set for uh, so far February fourth, March fourth, April first, and May sixth. So uh, as of right now, the next four months, and uh, after that, I'm not entirely sure. But then again, like last time, it was kind of like that. You know, it was like for a couple months, and they kept extending it. So uh, we'll see. But you know, with live music. It's in a weird place right now. Like it truly is, because even though I, you know, like we're just talking about that Jawbreaker tour, but also, you know, that tour could also be rescheduled or can't. I mean, more more rescheduled than actually canceled. But um, you know, live live music's back, but with an asterisk. You know what I mean? Like like live music is kind of on the fringe where it's like if if live shows shut down altogether again this year, I don't know that it's going to be a shocker. You know what I mean? Like. Like, it's just one of those things where it's at. So it's very cool that Bandcamp is bringing this back, you know, as a way for, uh, you know, musicians to make some money in a time where they really can't make money doing it live, you know. It's very rad of Bandcamp to be waiving their fees. So I think they'll definitely come in handy for the bands that you love. And uh, if you want to go check out more on that, get more information, see when they're doing it, go check out isitbandcampfriday.com. Get all the details there. But really – all you really got to know is Bandcamp Friday, first Friday of every month. 
go buy your shit there and uh, Bandcamp waives their fees so your favorite artist gets all the money. All that money that you uh, spend on that album goes straight to the artist, which is uh, so fucking cool. I really do like. I love. I I love Bandcamp so much. They and long before that, I've I've been a fan of Bandcamp for like a really really long time, and uh, I try to grab all music on there. I mean, anytime you see in in like the show notes on here, like anytime anytime someone puts out a record, like a guest puts out a record or something, or I play some music on here, I'm like, hey, go check out what I played. If it's on Bandcamp, I put the link to that. Like, you know, they they support their, you know, they support the people who are on there and shit. And uh, I, I think it's getting better, but, like, you know, I think it's still kind of a thing that you see more indie labels and indie bands putting their music on there. And I'm just like, fuck that. Like, we need... I, I think you need to get more, uh, you know, like, like including... As as more people talk about, or not even as more, everyone, you know, forever people talk about streaming services and not getting paid shit, you know, Spotify being kind of evil, you know, like, you know, just not being the best, uh, you know, maybe, maybe not uh, your, your buddy, maybe Spotify is not a, not a musician's friend, but, um, you know, like with all, with all that talking shit, it's like, if people would move more towards the band camp model, which I mean, look at, I, I get it. I don't know that. And look, it'd be a whole nother episode, but like, you know, people pay, people went back to paying for music in a roundabout way where they'll pay for like streaming. But like, I don't think we'll ever get back to a time of people buying each album individually. You know I mean? Streaming did as fucked as streaming is. I think it did obviously help with piracy, but, um, you know, it opened a whole nother can of worms. But, like, you know, again, at least if you put your shit on Bandcamp, even if people aren't buying everything, at least it's there in a way, you know, it's it's a much more direct way to support an artist if you want to. Like, maybe you stream shit, but you really like that one album, and you go drop $9. And, you know, that $9 goes to the band. Like, you know, everyone talks so much about, well, how much does an artist get off a CD or out of every stream or a T-shirt or ticket sales? Like... You know, Bandcamp, they're pretty uh, transparent, you know, with, uh, I mean, even when it's not Bandcamp Friday, they're very, very fair with compensating their artists, you know, which, again, not everyone is. So what I'm trying to say is Bandcamp fucking rules and uh, make sure you go, what will that be in a couple days if you're listening to this when it comes out? Uh, yeah, uh, Bandcamp Friday, mark your calendar, February 4th, go, uh, go buy some good shit on there and uh, let me know, let me know what you buy on there. And uh, one more piece of music news. I don't think it's news to anyone. You got to be living under a rock if you haven't heard of this yet. But uh, I mean, it kind of you gotta you gotta bring it up. Everyone's talking about it. But when we were young festival, that was announced, and it is uh, going on later this year in Las Vegas at a Las Vegas Festival grounds in uh, October, and it's just a massive festival of just pop punk emo i mean and of of every like like really they hit everything on this of a certain you know what i mean like there's the whole you know obvi- obviously the biggest theme here is is probably you would look at it and go like you know 2000s like pop punk and emo but like they have it for everything they have the more poppy side of it the heavier side you know, the, the bands who are like, I mean, just, just really like, I mean, going, going through the list, if you don't know who's playing, there's a shit ton, 
But My Chemical Romance, Paramore, AFI, Alkaline Trio, The All-American Rejects, Boys Like Girls, Manchester Orchestra, Bring Me the Horizon, Taking Back Sunday, Dashboard Confessional, uh, Car Seat Headrest, Glass Jaw, 303, Horror Pops, uh, The Linda Lindas, Four Years Strong, TV Girls, State Champs, Hawthorne Heights, The Red Jumpsuit Apparatus, Thursday, Story of the Year, Senses Fail, Armor for Sleep, uh, it, it goes it goes on and on, Jimmy Eat World, like Avril Lavigne, everyone's fucking playing this festival, it's, uh, it's insane, and uh, I mean, if you've not heard, it is a one-day festival, but they, they've sold out, right now they have three shows all together for uh, October 22nd, 23rd, and 29th. And, uh, you know, people, I don't know. I thought I, people probably know about this, but I thought I'd bring it up just kind of more to talk about it. Cause like, it's probably not news to anyone. You've, you've heard about it enough, but like, I don't know. Part of me gets it. Like, yeah, it's, it, it came out of nowhere. Like it's more of that. It kind of came out of nowhere. And all of a sudden on like a Monday, all these bands started like posting about it. But like, you see a lot of people bring up like though the fire fest thing and this and that and like how are they going to have all these bands in one day but it's like i mean it's it's fucking warp tour like all of these tours do this like i don't think it's all that crazy like it's a festival all of these bands are playing like a 20 minute set a 30 minute set at most like these bands are going to go up there and play greatest hit sets basically like it's like warp tour you know what i mean like I don't I don't know that it's that insane. I think I think people think of it more because it's a it's a time and you know what I mean like it's a very themed kind of festival and a specific kind of, you know, like like music festival in a way where people go like how are you supposed to see this many bands in like one day? But it's like really I think most festivals operate this way. Like it's a big festival with tons of bands in one day like okay it's not a three-day festival it's not all weekend but like it just more than anything when i read it i just go oh they're just not going to play long sets it's a it's a it's one of those things as festivals are it's the trade-off i mean you see i mean it's just like warp tour you see a lot of bands in a day but you also see those bands play like for 30 minutes at most you know like that's just kind of how it goes it's a festival that's why you know some people like them and some people don't i mean and as much as they're like where's the money come in this and that it's i mean it's live nation like i mean i the live nation has a lot of fucking money if you don't know and uh before i even saw that before i knew live nation uh, was a part of it as i was in las vegas i was just kind of like it's probably like i mean i've like vegas puts on free shows and stuff like casinos bars like all that. like they pay like i obviously this might be a little more but like i've seen a bunch of free shows when uh i went to vegas and stuff like even even good stuff like good uh you know going and seeing like uh the falcon and mikey erg and shit for free at a beauty bar in las vegas like like good punk bands and shit for free like you know so like i wouldn't have been surprised if you know like just whether it be casinos or bars like something in vegas like there's money in vegas so it's like you know to, to fund a festival like this i don't know it's just not that and look at I'm not going to it. Like I have no, I have no horse in this race. Like there's some great bands on there, but at the same time, there's nothing that I have to, there's nothing on there that makes me like, I'm way more stoked for the jawbreaker tour. And you know, I, I think like, I think a great lineup on the, when we were young fest, but like, again, it's, I've seen so many of those bands and I'm like, again, I always think that with festivals. I'm like, what I like with a festival 
is if I'm going to see like some reunions or some bands that I'm otherwise not going to see. You get a lot of festival bands who don't play out a lot. They play once or twice a year, and your only chance to see them is at a festival. Whereas I think on this one, no one on it is really like, you know what I mean? Like no one on here is someone who you can't go see at a club at some point. You know I mean? Maybe not right this second, but like normal, you know, like like pre-COVID, you could go catch a lot of these bands live and a lot of them touring with each other anyway. So it's like, I mean, it's neat. It's neat that they're all in one place, but it's also like, including with the prices and shit, I'm like, I I mean, you know, no one on here is really, I don't think any of these bands are really reuniting or anything like that. Like, I mean, I, I know like, um, oh man, who are they touring? Uh, Jimmy Eat World and Dashboard Confessional. I mean, they're touring anyway, so that's probably part of, uh, you know, like the routing. You know, like, I mean, a lot of festivals are like that. Like with Riot Fest, you'll see a lot of, you know, like you go to that and, and it's a lot of bands who are like on their way to the next place. And, you know, in, in the middle of the tour, they go play the the festival. You know, I mean, it doesn't have to be Riot Fest, just about any music festivals that way. But uh, I don't know. I thought it was weird. Like, just I, I see the criticisms and like, I mean, oh, there's room for error. Like, but I'm surprised how cynical. And I mean, this come from someone who's extremely cynical about shit. I can't believe how uh, how cynical some people have been about when we were young fest like i'm like i mean it's it's a crazy lineup like i thought they did a great job at like you know really catering to an audience and figuring out like what that lineup should be but um you know again i don't think it's anything wild i think if anything you know what no one's bringing up it means that everyone's old as fuck because it's all becoming like the nostalgia like when people talk about the nostalgia circuit or like becoming too like like people becoming nostalgic for things from like five years ago there is something to be said about that because with all these like emo cruises and like you know just even festivals and shit that pop up i mean same with like punk and drublick punk and drublick is like it's just it's fat but it's like 90 skate punk with like so, with a few contemporary artists and, I, and it's not shitting on it. i've been i've been to punk and drublick fest but like i think once warp tour went away and also, like, you know, a lot of these bands who are from the 90s into the 2000s and stuff, you know, a lot of your fan base now into their 30s and 40s, like, you're, you're, as much as, as much as, like, you know, before it was, like, the casino circuit or the state fair circuit was, like, you know, not great if your band was playing that, you were probably, like, on the way down or, like, in that nostalgia circuit, but, like, I mean, these are kind of, you know, like the cruises and different, like different, like packages like this, where it's like, Oh, it's a, it's a like early two thousands emo and pop punk festival kind of thing. I mean, that's kind of this, it's a nostalgia like circuit. I mean, it's really a nostalgia circuit. It's just a new, instead of state fairs and casinos, it's now like day, you know, like one day festivals and, uh, and boat cruises. And I'm just kind of saying this, as a you know someone who like sees it happening it's it's very i kind of say it neutrally because i mean i mean i kind of i say i say some of it i think it's funny as well because like you know everyone including in punk and stuff like eternally youthful and like fuck you mom and dad and it's like nah you you eventually like as much as you laugh about your parents for like i mean it's like boy bands like look at like boy bands are in that now where like you know, your new kids on the block and you're in sync and your backstreet boys. Like, I don't know this for sure, but I'm going to say most of the people who go and see them 
are people who are fans of them back in the day. Like they're not they're not getting droves and droves of new fans. Like I mean, I'm sure I'm sure there's still young people who find that stuff and get into it, but it's like I gotta assume most of that's off nostalgia. It's not new people discovering fucking Backstreet Boys who still go see Backstreet Boys. It's people who saw them in 1998 when they were teenagers. You know what I mean? It's the same thing with a lot of these. Like, you know, but like on this, like I think they were pretty good because there's also younger bands. I mean, you have like the Linda Lindas and Meet Me at the Altar and stuff. Like there are, there are like newer, you know what I mean? There's like some fresh contemporary who like fit. They like fit with the genre, but are like, you know, like kind of the newer. And like same with like Punk and Drublick. Like again, that's by all means like fat Mike's own own way of doing that nostalgia circuit that that's his fucking nostalgia circuit and a way to send sell you a $10 craft beer it's like here's we package it with like three or four bands you loved in the 90s and then we also throw on like you know like one or two of like the modern you know the modern bands and uh you know it's just how it is it's a it's a formula or it's a format you know whatever you want to call it again it's like I'm I'm not I'm not really entirely shitting on it, but I I do I just feel like that's how I see it. You know what I mean? Like it's uh it's very much even even with like uh I you know, I see Fat Mike's doing a podcast now, which every fucking person's doing a podcast and uh including me. I I am also one of those fuckers who's doing a podcast and you're listening to it right now. But um you know, I don't I don't know. I feel like I feel like uh uh, and look at, we'll find out if I'm wrong or not, but like, not that he, not that the, like no effects are at their end of their, their career or anything, but I think he's getting in that part where you start being nostalgic and you do start looking back. Like, I think he was maybe not about that for and artists. Don't like when you're, when you want to keep working on new stuff, you're not trying to be stuck in like the early nineties, you know what I mean? But it's like, I think you get to a point in your career where it's like now is where you do the podcast and you reminisce with old people who you used to tour with, you know, 20, 25 years ago. And you do, though, you know, you do Punk and Drublick Fest, a festival that you name after your most popular album. And, you know, you go play with, like, old punk bands and stuff. You know, I, I, I think they're, like, getting into that uh, that part of their career. But, like, at least with them, they're, like, you know, like, Fat Mike's, like, 50-something. But, like, I, I do, getting back to that thing about nostalgia, like, the, the just people becoming nostalgic like much earlier on, it's like, there's, there's like people, I mean, even like my age, like, I mean, there's, there's bands I see on here. I get nostalgic for, and I'm 29. So it's like, how fucking like, how long ago can I be nostalgic for? I mean, even 10 years ago, I was a teenager. Like, you know, like you can only, like, yes, you can be nostalgic and yeah, 10 years was a while ago, but it's like, I mean, I think there was a time where nostalgia was more like, you know, 20 years, 25 years, kind of, you know what I mean? Like it was like, it was more something that you hit people in their like fifties and sixties with. And now it's getting more to like late twenties, early thirties, you know? But I think that also just that's look at, at the end of the day, if it didn't sell, they wouldn't do it. So obviously people are nostalgic are like naturally nostalgic earlier on for whatever reason that is, you know, like people obviously are cause this shit sells. If it didn't, you wouldn't see it that way, but like, you know, I, I think you, uh, I think you get those nostalgia circuits when you start having, uh, you know, you start having like specific lineups that, uh, you know, are kind of like akin to something you would have saw during a certain time, you know, whether, whether that be again, a uh, punk show you saw when you were 18 
in uh you know los angeles in like 1994 or if it was you know a warp tour that you went to when you were you know 16 in 2008 you know like it, it uh i don't know it's interesting it's interesting stuff to talk about you know and nostalgia is good and bad you know i i mean I'm not totally against nostalgia. I do so many album anniversary interviews on here where you're literally getting nostalgic, you know, talking about an album that was like written 30 years prior. But uh, I don't know. I think it's interesting. Uh, It's interesting shit to look at, including when we're talking about a festival called when we were young. But, uh, but yeah, those are, those are my thoughts on it. I don't know. I, my whole thing is let people enjoy it. Like I'm not, I'm not going to spend the money to go to when we were young. Most of those bands a lot of those bands too, again, are only like nostalgia for me. Like I wouldn't probably go see a lot. Like people, it's so funny. Like I feel like as time goes on, people love My Chemical Romance and Paramore and stuff like more than even they used to. Whereas like I, I really like both those bands and I don't, I don't really hate either of them, but it's like I listened to them when I was a teenager and I just kind of don't like like they're not something I really go revisit or have this like burning desire to like some people are like as time has went on, they think like the black parade is the greatest fucking record of all time. And like, yeah, I liked it as an angsty teenager, but like now I'm like, yeah, I, there's just other things I like more. I mean, and again, like there's some good bands on there, but like, I'm just like, if that's your thing and you want to go enjoy it, go fucking go do it. Like I, I think, uh, I think it will go fine. You know what I mean? Like also, one or two bands might, you know, it's with COVID and everything, like a couple bands might drop off by, you know, before October gets here. Like you just, you know, you never know what happened, but will happen. But like overall, the idea that like, there's not money behind it, how they'd be able to afford to do stuff. Like, I don't think that'll be an issue. People also forget. And I don't, I mean, I assume it's the same festival because it was also called we were when we were young, but I mean, this went on in 2018 i think it was because when i first heard the name of it it sounded familiar and then i looked it up and it was there was like the descendants played and fiddler uh afi i think morrissey headlined it like but it was in california it wasn't in las vegas it was in california and it was either 2017 or 2018 but like joyce manor played a couple others but like not totally out of the vein of this one you know i mean just kind of like another kind of uh a mixture of like nostalgia, you know, like older bands and also newer bands that kind of sound in that same vein. So, I mean, unless that was a different fest altogether, that was also just called when we were young. I mean, it's happened before, so I don't know. I don't, I don't think there's a whole lot to like worry about there. Like, again, I'm not fucking, I'm not going, but I don't think you need to, uh, you know, ruin it for the people who are going. I don't, I don't think they will be, uh, I think it'll go off without a hitch. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I don't know. We'll find out. It'll it'll be a uh, it'll at least it feels like a while. But it'll probably October will be here before you know it. Because I would have thought the last two years with all the shit going on, I would have thought a pandemic time would have slowed down. Like I would have thought it made shit really go slow, and it went the opposite. Like I can't believe it's 2022. I can't believe we're already at the end of January. Like that blows my goddamn mind. But uh, we are, and we're also at the end of this here episode. So uh, thank you so much. I mean, if, you, if you're listening this long, thank you. Thank you for listening to my blabbering. Um, and it probably is blabbering because it is 3 a.m. right now. So, you know, I'm sure at some point while in the middle of this uh, episode, my fucking brain just turned off. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know if that's true, but if this didn't sound uh, coherent and it just sounded like rambling, 
my brain probably turned off. But uh, yeah, anyway, uh, if you want to follow us online, give us a follow at PowerCordHour on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Hit me up, PowerCordHour at gmail.com if you want to talk some music. I uh, I know this is normally a spot where I say hit me up and I'll send you like some free uh, stickers, but we're entirely out. I'm out of uh, uh, free swag. I'm out of shirts. I'm out of pins. I'm out of stickers. I I do. I always have kind of some guitar picks on hand that uh, I I kind of have like a reserve of, which uh, you know. I mean, if you ask nicely, I'll I'll send you some guitar picks. But really, as of right now, I gotta I gotta think of what the next move is for uh, some for some uh, swag for the show. But, uh, yeah, if you want to hit me up, PowerCordHour at gmail.com for whatever we talk some music. Tell me you like the show, don't like the show, whatever. That is that is the place you can find me. And uh, if you want to hear the radio show, new episodes every Friday night, 10 to midnight Eastern on 107.9 WRFA right here in Jamestown, New York. And uh, you can listen to that from anywhere. You can stream the uh, the station on their website, WRFALP.com, so you can uh, listen to that from anywhere in the world. And, uh, yeah, I would love if you did listen to that. But that is going to be it. Rate, review, subscribe wherever you're listening to this, and uh, that will be it. I'm going to have a bunch of great guests. I think we're going to be very guest-heavy here. The uh, I mean, really, uh, probably up until the February rundown. I think we'll have a guest every week up until the next rundown. So I'm excited for that. And like I said earlier, I uh, I have a few people booked who uh, I, by all means, consider living legends. So I'm nervous, stoked. I'm all those. Th- I'm both. I'm both in all of those things. And uh, until next time for the Power Court Hour podcast, I'm Anthony Merchant, and thank you so much for listening. <laughs>